Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. Welcome to Delving to Draft. This is episode 30, recording the 26th of June 2013. My name is Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Dan! Now Dan is going to be co-hosting uh, with me for the foreseeable future. Steve has disappeared into Afer and I haven't heard from him in a while. So Dan's mm. here to back me up and stop me from just talking to myself for hours on end. Well that's the plan anyway. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. Right, let's move on to the news. Um, Jewel of Planeswalkers 2014 is basically out. By the time anybody listens to this, it should be out in all formats. All formats being uh, Steam, Xbox 360, PS3. Of course, uh, from 2013 onwards, we've had the iPad, and now we also have the Android tablet. So you can get it on all five platforms. Unfortunately, if you're on Mac, you're still a bit stuffed. However, um, there are, as always, um, promotional cards available for each of them. So when you go into the game, there is a section where you can get a code. You take that code to your local gaming store, and they should be handing you... I'm not actually sure if it's a booster or just the promo card by itself. I'm not sure this year, because last year it was a booster with the promo in it. Yeah, it was like five cards um, and the promo card. Well, it does seem to say it is actually a booster. Okay, um, so you'll get a booster pack, so undoubtedly have some amount of cards, including an alternate art premium promo card. That means foil for everybody who doesn't understand what premium otherwise means. If you've bought the Steam, the iPad, or the Android tablet version, you'll be handed a pack which contains Scavenging Ooze, which is one of the new cards in M14, although it has, of course, been with us in Commander and is a reason you can't buy Counterpunch for any reasonable price. Yes, and it's been, I mean, it was printed in that one case, but then has been a really big card in Legacy and Modern and pretty much everything. So, well, I'm not, not sure. It's not in Modern because it's it not, only. It's not Modern Legal? It will be come 2014 being released. Oh, okay, well, that'll make a difference. Yeah, um, it was apparently going to be contending with Tarmogoyf, but. That's not talking about weird constructed formats. Don't get what they're yeah. uh, If oh, you buy, nice promo. That's for sure. <laughs> it is a nice promo. Um, the Xbox 360, if you buy that, you'll get a Bone Scythe Sliver. So again, this is one of the new cards, although it's proper new this time. That's the 2-2-3 two, two, and a white sliver, which gives O Slivers double strike. Sorry, O Sliver creatures you control double strike. Uh, I hate the new oh, yeah. sliver templating. If you buy the PS3 version, you'll get an Ogre Battle Driver. He's two red and a red for a 3-3, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, that creature gets plus 2, plus 0, and gains haste till end of turn. So those are your three different promo cards, although three platforms will get scavenging ooze. I don't know why, but yeah. You see, I haven't actually... I've not really looked at the spoilers yet, so this Ogre and even that Sliver, I I had no idea what they'd done. This is me learning. (laughs) Well, if you're not buying the 360 the PS3 version, then you don't need to worry quite yet. It doesn't seem like the other ones are going to be particularly great in comparison to the the scavenging ears, but they still seem pretty like pretty decent cards. Yeah. Just one minor note, even though you can physically get these cards prior to Magic 2014's release, it is not legal in any format at all. So don't try playing it in your commander deck, because you, you can't. Just, just as a heads yeah. up, in case anybody tries. In other news, Grand Prix Las Vegas happened. And so did Grand Prix Bangkok, so good for them. Yeah. Yeah, apparently Las Vegas was popular, but I... Yeah. I don't know, they had a few people there. Yeah, something like that. Um, let's move on to... Name that card! Woo, name that card! So... Return to Ravnica Block, 
as our scope? Yeah. Um, so, in case any, nobody noticed the post, because you're listening to this afterwards and you don't actually read anything we post out, we did record the show last week, um, except for we actually forgot to do the recording part of the show. So, <laughs> we, we did the whole show, but we were just talking to ourselves and did yeah, record. We had a conversation. And we did name that card in Dragon's Maze, and I think we both guessed within two clues, because Dragon's Maze yeah. is actually a really bad format for name that card by itself. So, Return to Ravnica block is the scope for this time. Um, I have a card, if I am allowed to go first. Sure, feel free. Okay, um, I am looking at a card, and That's a good start. it has a green mana symbol in the mana cost. In the mana cost, okay. Um, Ooze Flux. It's not Ooze Flux. Um, this card is a creature. Okay. Uh, experiment one. It's not experiment one. <laughs> this. I'll, um, I'll get one. I'll get lucky sometime. <laughs> I'm not sure what. Ah, oh, I may have put myself in a corner already, actually. Uh, this card has. Reach. Skylasher. Damn it! Damn it! Yay! <laughs> uh, it doesn't help that I was talking about that card recently. Oh, oh, I, I, um, oh. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> See, I, I, I was, I, I wasn't, sh- I was like tempted to go with can't be countered, which narrows it down to two, but then I realised I'd narrowed it down to two, so I had to go with reach, and you still got it, so curses. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, I might be quite nice to you then. And, yeah, let's go with this card. Okay. I am looking at a card from Return to Ravnica block. Okay. And it it has red in its mana cost. Lobber crew. Nope. This card is multicolored. Okay. Um Tajak, Blade of the Legion. It is not a creature. Oh. It's a sorcery. Uh um. Obsidat's Aid? This has you know, red in the mana cost, not white. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking Boros. i got Boros in my head already. Red Sorcery, multicoloured. Um, Dragon Shift. No, but you are in the right guild. Oh, okay. Um, Which probably means that the flavor text isn't a massive clue, so I'll go ahead and give you that as well. Okay. Ralzarex Brainstorms bring actual thunder and lightning. Blast of Genius. Ah, uh, you knew the flavour text. Yes, I knew the flavour text. <laughs> and although Niv is uh, appearing in the background, yes. I should have known. <laughs> you being an is it? I am an is it through and through, as I think we mentioned uh, quite recently. Yep. <laughs> oh, well done. Yay! I wasn't terrible bad, because I'm normally really bad with Dragon's Maze, I'll be honest, but... I love how we we both, like we said, like Dragon's Maze was too easy and we both picked Dragon's Maze cards after all. Oh yeah, I didn't even realise it. <laughs> mm. Wow. Walked into the same trap as we did last time. Oh well. I think it was a little bit better that there was more options though. So yeah. when I said it was an is it sorcery essentially, well, I didn't say it was is it, but yeah. it was a, a multicoloured red sorcery. I mean, how many options are there in Dragon's Maze? Maybe two? This is true. I don't know. Yeah. But it's a small set. 
Right, um, let us move on to our main topic. Um, we're going to be talking about something I don't think we've really properly touched on at all ever, which is Magic Online, which is a pretty substantive part of what Magic is. I mean, Magic Online makes up about 20 to 30% of the revenue for Magic in general, and it's one of the most accessible ways to actually watch Magic being played. I mean, people are streaming Magic Online all the time. It's really easy to watch that. A lot of people do record, like, draft videos, and you can watch them sort of after the fact. I mean, Magic Online is big. It's not going away. It's just uh, celebrated its 11th anniversary, uh, which is pretty impressive. I mean, it's been going for over half of Magic's lifetime, because Magic's also 20 years old. And, yeah, we thought we'd just go into it, because never touching it before, and it's a big, important thing. Yeah. So, so how much do you play Magic Online, Craig? Not at all. There was a brief stint, maybe three or four months ago, when I started playing Commander a bit, and it was one of my resolutions to actually play more Magic Online. But I won't lie, um, I am a terrible uh, student, and I am poor all the time, and I just can't justify playing Magic Online when I can be playing Paper Magic instead. Yeah, that seems fair. I, I usually don't play a huge amount either. I've never really gotten into the constructed formats on it, but I've played a couple of drafts every now and then. It's just the the cost is is a little bit much when you're when you're uh, playing paper magic a lot as well. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I've said I think I said back in the sh- well the first show of the year, which was when we did the fir- uh, the New Year's resolutions. I was saying that um, if I was to play Magic Online, I'd sort of be playing Magic Online exclusively as opposed to the paper magic exclusively because there's no way I can afford doing both. Yeah, I mean, there's some people that do that. But they it are clearly much richer than me and not students and, uh, you know. After a bit, most of my interaction with Magic Online is the aforementioned draft videos and streams that you were talking about. I do tend to spend a fair bit of time watching streams and watching the uh, draft videos on Channel Fireball and, and like. Um, so let's talk about Magic Online because it's in a sort of a transitional uh, stage at the moment. So for the last several years, we've had the version 3 client, which is stable to a degree and reliable however it does look like it was created in the 1990s despite the fact it was actually created in the noughties and in the last year or so I want to say Wizards have been previewing in an open beta their new client, the version 4 client and as I say we're in this transitional period we've just sort of come off of a weekend where they switched the version 3 client off and the the open beta client was the only client available and inevitably, at some point in the nearish future, in the next few months, we're going to transition fully onto the open beta client. It'll be the only magical client, uh, which will be able to play Mitgo on. And yeah, we're in this interesting transition where we can play both clients simultaneously. Yeah, I've, I've heard some sort of mixed opinions on the new client. Um, I think the majority of the issues that people have with it, though, is just that they're used to the older one. And just, it, it does take a bit of learning again to get used to the new client. Yeah, the version 3 client has a lot... One thing about Magic Online in general is actually that it's very finicky and it can be very strict and it's strict in some ways which aren't intuitive. So when you had to play Magic Online in the version 3 client, or the old client I'll just call it, you sort of had to learn the ropes of how just to use the interface. It wasn't as simple as just sort of sitting down with, say, Jewel of the Planeswalkers, where it's pretty intuitive how Jewel of the Planeswalkers works. It somewhat holds your hands to some of the stuff with tutorials and the like. Magic Online has none of that, and the version 3 client was particularly bad in some places, and you had to learn a few of the corner cases. I think the open beta client is a lot better, 
but it just will probably do things in for a new user a more intuitive way, but for an old hand who's got used to the version three client, it will seem odd because it's not exactly what they're sort of used to. Is yeah, that- I can see that probably being true. I mean, if you've not played either of them before, then it, it probably will be a lot easier to learn the new one than if you're used to the old one. Just because you get the use of the way that you have to specifically do things on Magic Online. Yeah. Um, and then having to relearn. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, if you're gonna, if you're coming into Magic Online or you've even been playing just for a brief period of time, you should definitely be using the open beta client. There's no point sort of learning the version 3 client when it's probably gonna disappear in the next few months and then you're gonna have to relearn a whole bunch of stuff again. Just go straight to the open beta client. Because um, it is getting better. I mean, they're improving as time goes on and it will be the only way you can play Magic Online relatively soon. I mean, I'd imagine by the end of the year. It can't be that much longer. No, because it's been sort of an open beta for a while, and the functionality's there. The thing's cost them a lot of money, and they've then already had the weekend where they turned off the old client to force people to use it, so it can't. It doesn't seem like it can be that far off. No. Right, so if you're trying to get into Magic Online, then, uh, well, how do you do that? Well, if you just type in mtgonline.com, you'll get straight to the Magic Online uh, main page, which isn't terribly clear and intuitive, but there is an option to download Magic Online in the quick links on the right-hand side. And if you click there, you can download the wide beta version and you can create an account. So Magic Online is not completely free. To create an account, it will cost you 10 American dollars uh, plus tax. Uh, but for that, you do get some stuff which helps you start off. So you start off with a booster pack of M13, which is something, I guess. Uh, one big thing, don't open it. Um, booster packs tend to be better sealed because they tend to be worth more sealed because a lot of stuff on Magic Online is a lot cheaper than the paper version. So opening a Bob Rare may not actually cover the $4 the booster costs. Yeah. Um, you also get four new player tickets, which allows you to get into new player events, which are... Um, I think they're drafts and sealed events, if I remember correctly. And they're usually phantom as well. Yeah, so. um, which means you don't keep the cards, you just draft. Yeah, you draft, but you don't actually keep the cards you open. Um, you also get two event tickets, and we'll get onto event tickets later, but they allow you to enter events. Um, you get five avatars, so you can sort of customize what you look like, because like all online things, you have a little avatar next to your name. Uh, you get a Planeswalker 2013 deck pack. Now, this includes... About 500 cards, I want to say, um, which tend to be what you get in Jewel of Planeswalkers 2013. Like, most of the cards in there is what you're going to get in this deck pack. Now, these are all golden bordered, and they can only be played in the Planeswalker format, a special online format. But it's a good way to basically get a whole bunch of cards, uh, some of which are powerful, like there's mythics and rares in there. And you can build decks and play against other people with these gold bordered cards, but they're not in your actual collection, so they're not just like handing you like hundreds of dollars worth of cards which you can play in regular <laughs> events. You know, these are the only legal against other Planeswalker decks. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, I think, mean think of them like uncards, except for they're not zany. It's just they don't want to hand you a whole bunch of cash. Yeah, and the best part about this is if you've ever played the Jewels of Planeswalker game and thought, you know, I'd really like to make a deck with these cards and play it against other people who have made their own decks with these cards instead of just getting the pre-built decks, then that's what you can do here. Yeah. So that's really cool. It's kind of like the the next step up after after Jewels of the Planeswalkers. Yeah. Um, you also do get 300 proper magic cards. Well, proper insofar as they're magic online cards, you know, digital. Um, now, these are just commons and uncommons from the latest sets. Um, it's not enough to really build a deck with. Maybe you can get a proper deck out of it. But as I say, there's no rares here. So 
it just gives you sort of a, a collection to build other decks around with like filler cards. But yeah, and if you ever want to play popper, then you've got some relevant cards, I guess. Yeah, right. So what can you do in Magic Online? Well, it's not exactly like playing Magic because you can't do practically whatever you like with it. You can play in friendly casual matches. You can, there's there's rooms where you can just create a match in practically any format you can think of, and you can just say, "I want to play against someone," and if somebody else wants to play the format, they'll probably find you. You'll play against each other, and that all works like sort of just grabbing random people at a GP. If you've got a little badge saying, "I want to play standard" or "I want to play popper" or stuff like that, um, you can do that. Now, yeah. there's also, which is probably the most interest to people listening to this. There are drafts going on all the time. There's queues for basically every format and standard. So you can play the Innistrad draft format. That was in Restored. You can play M13. You can play the Return to Ravnica block. Those are all there. Um, there's different formats, which we'll get onto of the drafts, but you can just jump into those. And when seven other people want to play, they do sit down around a table, digital table that is, and you just draft. And you can do that whenever you like, which is pretty awesome. Um, there's, of course, Constructed. Uh, tournaments which work roughly the same way as once enough people get into one of those you can play with your constructed decks um, there's also something called premium events which we'll get into later and daily events which we'll also get into later but you can basically play most of the formats you like. Cube, not easy, um, there's no sort of easy way to sort of go here's my cube, let's just play it. Magic Online does have its own cube which appears from time to time which you can play. There are ways to do player run cubes but they're a bit awkward just because there's no facility in Magic Online. It's probably similar to it in real life. You, you just need to find some friends and then arrange it. Um, but there's no sort of easy way to do it, and it's not secure either, so you do need to be drafting with people that you trust. Yeah. Um, but And what else can you do? You can trade. So there is a secondary market, which, again, I think we'll touch on shortly. Um, and... Yeah, that's most of the things that you can do. It. Yeah, there also, one good thing is... All your cards are in one very safe, digitally secured place. You don't have to worry. If you're the sort of person who, like me, I'm now looking at my desk in front of me, and there's land, there's tokens, there's Modern Master stuff, I've got some promo cards from some decks, um, I've got cards scattered on my table, next to me is my massive magic collection, which is well organized. I, I do have cards all over the place, sort of. Magic Online nicely has them all in one place, because it's digital, and you can happily look through it very nicely, and it's all there, you don't have to worry about it. And the really nice thing, if you, say, like playing constructed formats, once you've got four of a card, you never need any more. You can have infinite amount of decks using the same cards, because you can't use more than one deck at a time. So once you've got yeah. four of something, you're sorted. I mean, you can kind of do it in real life. It just it requires a lot more shuffling about. <laughs> yeah, if I've only got yeah, one copy of a card and I want it to my commander deck and my cube and maybe have it in a constructed deck, I can't literally have the card physically in all three places at once. Magic yeah, Online, is- not an issue. This is where I am with my uh, commander deck, <laughs> because it's entirely made up of cards from my cube. So I can't play my cube while I've got my commander deck um, assembled and, and vice versa. <laughs> so that's definitely one benefit of Magic Online over the real world. Um, yeah, so event tickets are a pretty integral thing to learn about on Magic Online. They work as a de facto currency. Now, you can go into uh, Magic Online shop, you can buy product from Wizards directly, so you can buy boosters for $4, or you can buy starter packs for $15, or various other things. Um, it does tend to only stock products from Standard, but there are the 
ancillary products like Commander and Plane Chase, which you can still buy all those for, they're all there. And, you know, you can just pay dollar amounts or convert into your local currency amounts and just buy them from Wizards. However, if you're trading on the secondary market, there's no way to trade for money. There's no money in the system. There's no way to put money in or get money out. Event tickets come the de facto currency because these are used to enter events, unsurprisingly, for like drafts or, or sealed, for example, you need two event tickets plus the product, or you can just have uh, 14 event tickets for a normal draft, I think it is. Um, and they, yeah. they effectively work like dollar bills. Event tickets are effectively dollar bills. And um, when you want to trade, you trade people for event tickets. So if I want some cards from you and you don't want cards from me, then I will give you event tickets instead. Yeah, it works a lot like if you were to trade by buying and selling in real life. Yeah. So trading is done in two ways in Magic Online, I guess. Um, the first way is to find somebody else. Um, there is a trade section where everybody is listed and you can either search by the name of the person you're looking for or you can search by what they've got in their little advertisement because it's a bit like classified ads and you can search for them and if you find a player you can talk to them and you can discuss how you want to trade if you're going to trade cards for cards or event tickets for cards or whatever it is. Uh, you can, of course, also trade sealed products. So if you've bought boosters or you've won boosters from events, then you can trade those for event tickets or for cards or whatever you like. Um, and more importantly, you can buy boosters as well with event tickets, which is very useful if you plan on drafting. Because it's often cheaper to buy the boosters off of another player than actually use the event tickets to buy straight into the draft. Yeah, that's an interesting part of the economy on Magic Online. It does work a weird way differently from the real world. Yeah, I mean, it's because because there's so many more packs opened on Magic Online, like, there's drafts firing constantly. So there's everything, every kind of rare that you can imagine is being opened, opened a lot more often on Magic Online than it is in real life. So it, it kind of reduces the overall price of every card. Um, but a booster is, because the boosters are used for entering drafts, they still have kind of the, the standard price of four tickets um, from the shop, and, and and that's what you would imagine they would also be for, for buying off other people. But because they're in the prizes for drafts as well, if you win a draft, you get boosters. Um, there's some more boosters coming out onto the market, and that generally means that some people will have boosters that they want to get rid of. So that, that brings the price down a little bit as well. So you can usually buy boosters for around three tickets instead of four if you actually buy them off another person. And that's definitely something to be aware of. If you're wanting to go into drafting, then you should definitely be looking to the trades. You should be looking for to trade for boosters rather than buying it from Wizards, because the chances are you'll get it for a bit cheaper. Yeah, definitely. Now, there is another type of person you can buy for. There's a lot of automated bots on the secondary market. A lot of big websites... There are a lot of big websites who run bots, and they sort of do everything automatically. There's no haggling or anything like that. You um, you double-click on the name, you activate a trade, you see everything they've got, and you click on the cards you want, and it'll print out prices inside the chat log, and you'll give them the amount of event tickets equal to whatever they think the value of cards is, and you trade like that, and it's all automated, so there's no haggling involved. Um, this is never, as far as I understand, card-for-card card trading. They will buy cards from you. You can buy cards from them, but it, you never sort of trade cards for cards. Bots don't seem to have that functionality for some reason. I haven't found any with that, at least. Yeah. Now, there is a bit of a problem insofar as, let's say I'm building a popper deck, and I want to buy myself some random common, and it only actually costs, like, 
0.2 of an event ticket. Because <laughs> it's only worth 20 cents, okay? Well, there are no 0.2 event tickets. Event tickets are whole units. They're dollar bills. And now, if you cut up a dollar bill, you don't somehow get, like, the part, the proportion of the dollar bills. No, you've just ruined the dollar bill and you're a bit of an idiot and you've lost yourself a dollar. Magic Online, you, you can't, you, there's no decimal point. It doesn't work like that. So, what bots do, um, they will remember the decimal part, the part you haven't claimed yet. So, for example, I buy my 0.2 ticket card and I give them an event ticket. Well, I'm now down 0.8 of an event ticket. However, they'll remember that 0.8. And when I go back later and I go, oh, actually, I need a couple more cards, they'll go, oh, well, those only cost 0.4 of an event ticket. Have them for free. you got 0.4 left. Yeah. And that's one benefit of buying from a bot over a player because, well, admittedly, nothing can arguably be trusted. Like, if a bot suddenly disappeared, you never get your points of a ticket back. But bots are very good for remembering what you got. They tend to work across multiple bots from the same uh, organization, the same website. Players generally won't do that. They'll probably just trade for full event tickets and, you know. Yeah, generally I've not seen very many bots um, kind of go offline. No. Most of the ones that I've been using for the past couple of years have been around for that whole time. The thing is, they're they're fairly low maintenance for the pers- for the people who run them. So, and they always make some money. So, I don't see any point in anyone shutting them down. No, so most people will have them running pretty much ad infinitum. Yeah, and however, this does mean because you got sort of points of event tickets, like parts of event tickets kicking around the place, you do tend to only tr- end up trading with a few people because you don't really want to keep losing all your point eight of a ticket, point five of a ticket, point three of a ticket everywhere because eventually, you know, this does turn into sort of real dollar amounts or real event ticket amounts. So yeah, you do tend to I mean, sort this of works out. Yeah, they get they get a bit of brand loyalty because of it, just because yeah. you don't kind of want to leave your change on the counter and walk away. With, you know, so exactly. So I mean, I've got on mine. I've got I think a list of around. 12 different bots that I'll buy or sell to and some of them are, are specifically for selling and some of them are specifically for buying um, like I've got one that I'll always buy my boosters or sell my boosters to um, for drafting and then I've got like a set of ones that I just like offload all the things I've gotten from a draft because I don't play construction on it so just every time I do a draft I always offload every single thing I've gotten from that draft that the bots will take so I, I generally have a couple of sort of trash bots that I just get rid of everything to. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about clearly the most important magic format. How do drafts work online compared to offline? So we've already sort of described that there are queues and there's all the formats from standard generally. Occasionally there's some other ones like occasionally they'll go, you can draft Rise of the Eldrazi this week and you can just join the queues. And you join a queue, you pay in whatever it costs. So generally it's the three boosters you need plus two event tickets, or 14 tickets if you don't have the boosters, or some formats cost more or less or work slightly differently. For example, Modern Masters costs a lot more unless yeah. you have boosters. <laughs> um, 25, I think. 25 yeah, tickets. 25 tickets, I think. And I think. For a draft. I think it could be four event tickets plus the three boosters as well. So it is, it is more premium. Like, it costs you more. Um, cubes tends to cost less because there's such a thing as phantom drafts, which is where you... You can imagine that like a cube where you open boosters and you get cool cards and you play with the cool cards, but at the end of the day you give them back to the person who owns them. It's like that, but Wizards is a person who owns them. So you open all the boosters, you play with the cards, and then Wizards just keeps the cards. But you get proper prizes from them, so it's not all that terrible. It just makes it a little bit cheaper for yeah. me as well to actually do a draft. 
Yeah, if, you, if your thing is if you're really big on drafting, you could just play phantom events. Uh, the price payout does tend to be a little bit lower, but you're paying a little bit less to play, so it may off balance one another. Now, the drafting format is is different from real life. Like in real life, you're sitting around a table with seven other people. You physically open the booster, you fan out the cards, you flick through it, you rearrange the cards, you decide which one you have, you put it down the table, you pass it along. There, there's very little of that on Magic Online, unsurprisingly. So when you start, the booster is already open for you. It's laid out in a nice grid pattern. You can see all 15 cards in front of you, clear as day. And you can't rearrange them, but you can look at them. They're all there, and it's actually quite a nice way of doing it, because all the information is in front of you. Even a cursory glance, you can work out what colours are sort of represented more or less in the booster. And they're always arranged in rarity order. One thing which does drive me off the wall in drafts is when people <laughs> shuffle the booster just before they pass them. And the first thing I do is I look through the booster, sort the rare to the front, then the uncommons to the front, then I've got it all in rarity order. That, and then the got, next person undoes this again. <laughs> yeah, and then the per- next person undoes it again, and you keep having to fix the order. Or at least I keep fixing the order in a physical draft. In online, it's automatically set out in a grid in rarity order for you. Um, now, a bit like a cons- uh, not a constructed, a competitive REL or professional REL event, Magic Online has a timer for drafts. This is not your friendly Friday Night Magic where somebody goes, uh, uh, do I want this? Uh, do I want that? Uh, I don't know which card. Sorry, guys. Just give me a second. I'm trying to work out what I want here. Magic Online. So the thing is, this isn't Craig doing an impression of someone else. This is just Craig reenacting himself. Th- this uh, is absolutely me. <laughs> I'm just sitting there for two minutes going, I, d- I don't know which one I want. Do I want the foil or the non-foil version? Yeah. Magic Online, Magic Online doesn't care. Magic Online puts a nice little timer in the top right. And I think it starts at a minute for the first pick. And it ticks down. And if you haven't decided what card you want, Magic Online just goes, um, that one. You're having that one. Picks one at random, puts it in, you're done. So. Yeah, there, it's a slightly more pressured environment if you're not, say, the quickest at sort of evaluating what you want or you hum and ha a lot. There's a strict timer. If you don't pick before the timer runs out, it'll pick a random card. Now, fortunately, you can right-click on the card to sort of indicate to Magic Online, hey, that's the one I want, but I haven't quite picked it yet. So if, for example, you need to leave your chair for like a minute very, very quickly because the phone's ringing and you need to grab it or something like that, you can highlight the card and Magic Online, when the timer ticks down, will know that's the card you want. Or you can just click on the card and either double-click and it instantly goes in your deck or you can drag it into your deck or your sideboard. This is another different thing which Magic Online does. You see your deck and your sideboard while you're drafting the deck. It's all face-up, so you can see all of your picks all of the time and you can start building your deck straight from the off. Unlike in real life where you need to put all the cards face down and sure, you can probably look at the cards maybe between packs, maybe whenever, depending on how casual, I guess, your Friday Night Magics are. Yeah, we should probably clarify that this is slightly different between the clients in that the old client has just, it shows you everything you've picked at the top and you can't rearrange things. You can hide things, but you can't rearrange them whereas the new client has the ability to rearrange things as much as you want and also hide things in your sideboard. So there is some more functionality in the new client in terms of drafting. Yeah. um, Kind of looking at what you've drafted so far. Yeah. Now, about your picks, you can reorder them automatically using Magic Online, so you can reorder them by colour, by mana cost, by type or whatever. Um, As you say... Yeah, I mean, let's say you want to see how many humans you've got because you're thinking of picking up a specific human card, you can... Have a look. You can sort by type and then go log in and see how many you've got. Yeah. So that's quite useful. 
So is it so drafting is really good at that it shows you all of the information all of the time and you sort of have perfect information. There's there's no chance of you being the, the sort of person which goes, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I I definitely picked up Electromancer earlier in the draft. <laughs> just to realise that no, actually you were just really thinking about the Electromancer, but you actually shipped it because you wanted the gutter snipe instead. None of that that's not a problem magic online unless you just can't look at the cards for some reason because you can't read or whatever. But so you don't have to worry about forgetting what cards you picked. They're all there. <laughs> um, one other difference is, obviously, well, obviously you can't see the players passing the pack, so you're not quite sure how quick people are being. It does tell you how many picks they've done, but obviously you can't see the people. If you are doing an Avacyn, uh, not an Avacyn sword, uh, Innistrad or a Dark Ascension draft, of course, in real life, everybody had to hold up their double-faced cards so everybody knew what was happening. And when you picked them, they were all face up, so you could see who was picking all the werewolves. That doesn't happen in Magic Online. You don't know what other people have opened for double-faced cards. You don't know when people have picked them and what they are. That doesn't happen. There's no functionality for that. So if you really hated that aspect of Innistrad and uh, Dark Ascension drafting, it don't exist. So. See, I'll admit that actually annoys me because I get used to that in real life. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> so say. not having it online. It was a bit weird because... Like, you've got no idea when someone's taking the Garrick. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't see the person who goes... <laughs> Garrick, 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 taking it, Garrick. Second pick, <laughs> I'm taking the werewolf, stay off my were. You can't see that in Magic Online. But then again, in the strats, it's appearing shortly, so you won't even have to worry about that being. This a is thing. true. Um, you can't talk to people. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you can't talk to people while you're drafting. Um, uh, because even if you try, like, if you try and open up a conversation with someone that you're in the draft with, or if you go to the lobby, um, and say something, it just doesn't appear for that person. Like they just don't see anything. Everyone else can see that you're talking, but that one person won't. Right. So yeah, you can't confer with others effectively. So that's a bit different. There's like basically no socialization during the draft, during the drafting portion. But I mean, that's that's what most events are supposed to be, apart from F and M's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of why it's went that way. So it does feel like a serious environment. Talking about gameplay in Magic Online, it is also again a bit of a serious environment. So. Just like uh, any regular event, you have 50 minutes to play your rounds. Now, the difference being, you it's not 50 minutes for both players, like it is at any event. It's 25 minutes per player. If you've ever played with a chess clock, and I don't imagine anybody's done that in Magic, but there's effectively a chess clock. Each player is 25 minutes, and whenever it's your turn, it's your priority, it's your time to make a decision, your timer ticks down. And the second you pass priority, their timer starts ticking down. So there is some importance in being punctual and not spending three minutes and trying to work out what you want to do. Now, there's no slow play warnings, so if you literally want to take 24 minutes to decide what you want to do, the person across the table from you can't do anything, they can't raise their hands and call a judge, they can't complain. The problem is, the second you run out of your 25 minutes, you lose. It's like you just conceded the entire match. You're out. Yeah, and I mean, there's some good things about this and some bad things. The good thing is you can't have one person be playing slower than the other and causing the match to go to a draw. But, I mean, the bad thing is that if you do end up having a really long, really close game, it can sometimes feel really arbitrary over who's taken a few seconds longer as to who ends up losing because it's decided by time. So, there's, I mean, there's pros and cons to this, and it does mean that in some formats you can't necessarily play some decks because they're just a little bit too slow. So, yeah, so even when eggs was a thing in physical, modern, 
online, you just couldn't really play eggs. You'd have to be yeah. so quick at doing all the interactions. You couldn't think because of all the sort of, yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to do that. Yes, to target that. Yes, that, that, you know, there was just yeah, too many to mouse clicks. However, one thing to point out, though, is it is actually a lot quicker to play eggs online because you've got no shuffling or anything like that. Same with a lot of other similar decks. Yeah. Um, you click, it shuffles, that's it. There's no sort of spend a half a minute shuffling every time, which is part of the reason why it tends to go to time in real life. Yeah, and of course, when you're, say, searching your library for something, then it, it your entire library just appears in a grid, and you just go, and I want that one, and then it's done, yeah. and it's all shuffled, and you just carry on playing. So... There's definitely some good things about Magic Online. Now, one of the other things, as I say, there's no judges. Why? Because Magic Online knows the rules, and it won't force yeah. them to the letter. So if you don't know the rules, it's going to keep you right. But that can also be a bad thing if you don't know the rules, because sometimes it'll trick you, or you'll think you're being tricked because of how the rules actually work, compared to sort of the shortcuts you do in the real world. Yeah. Um, like passing priority and stuff can end up being a little bit more confusing online because you have like the mechanical sort of procedure of passing priorities isn't something you do in real life. If you just sort of have a conversation, you have a, you end up reaching an understanding with your opponent based on your body language and everything like that. But online, you have to like mechanically click to pass priority, and it's so easy to make a mistake with that. Yeah, and go and accidentally move past your combat step when you were actually planning on attacking because you thought it was the time where you were able to cast spells, and it's just so easy to make a mistake. Yeah, um, you do need to be vigilant. Um, there's no takesy backsies. You know, if you skip past something, then tough. That's unfortunate. Um, I have accidentally clicked through my entire turn by mistake. <laughs> you know, so it has literally been like turn one, they play a land, they pass priority to the end of turn. I think they're passing priority in their main phase. I go, yep, that's fine. I go, yep, that's fine again. And then suddenly they're playing their second land. I'm going, what? What did I do? <laughs> it can happen. I think everybody's probably done it. It's just try to do it as little as possible. Yeah, so, it's a learning curve. Yeah, there's Magic Online definitely has a learning curve being the new open beta client. But another thing is, with the triggers, you don't miss any triggers online. Um, which means that the average stab wound that I have online is about two or three times as effective as the average stab wound that I have offline. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a much better card there. <laughs> It also means that player, which keeps forgetting to get rid of their angel because of Geisasane Traft, their angel's going away. No ifs and buts about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So it, 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 is, it has positives and negatives. The important thing is it, it does do the rules properly. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, probably, it's good as well because it does help someone who's able to play the game but doesn't have that quite intricate no- rules knowledge. It does help them get used to how that works, mm-hmm. which can be really important if they ever do plan on going to any more competitive events. Yeah. Like PTQs are above. Definitely. Let's get into some other things. Um, yes. So drafting, there's different formats for drafting. Obviously, you can pick if you're doing return draft or whatever. But there are, uh, well, there's these three different terms. Eight fours, four three two twos, and Swiss queues. So when you look at it, it'll say return to Ravnica block, eight four, return to Ravnica block, four three two two, return to Ravnica block, Swiss. They're all drafts. Huh? What's the and difference? They all, they all play exactly the same in terms of the drafting portion. Yeah. And generally when you're playing your rounds, they, they play the same as well. Indeed. However, there are some key differences. Yeah, so um, the 8-4 is relatively straightforward. If you're first, you'll win 8 boosters. If you're second, you'll win 4 boosters. If you're third through 8, you don't get anything. 
So 8-4s are sort of the competitive high end because, you know, you need to be winning quite a lot to actually get stuff from it. So 8-4s is generally your more competitive sort of draft environment. 4-3-2-2s are sort of your middle ground. I mean, four, first place gets four boosters, second place gets three boosters, third and fourth place get two boosters. And unfortunately, if you lose in your first round, then you're just out. It's sort of single elimination, like an 8-4, in fact. But, you know, it, it's slightly better if you're not quite as good and you can only, you know, you win your first match comfortably, but you're maybe not good at securing the second, then at least you get something out of it. That's kind of cool. Swiss no, Pig, no, no. I'll, I'll get on to why that's a bad idea in a second. There's a, Never play 4-3-2-2s. Yeah, if you only learn one thing from this entire podcast, never play 4-3-2-2s. Anyways, the other format is Swiss. For every game you win, you get a booster. Simple as that. You'll always play all three rounds, because even if you lose the first two, you still get a chance of winning your last one and winning a booster. Swiss, you always play all three rounds. The others, you need to keep winning to keep playing. Yeah. Right. So why the heck did I just say that 4-3-2-2 stuff? Okay. Now, if you... How should I do this? Well, I mean, the simplest way to do it is to, to look at how many boosters are getting given to the players based on, like, how many players are in the, the draft. Okay. Like, if you look at an 8-4, you've got 12 boosters between 8 players. But if you look at a 4-3-2-2, that only adds up to 11 boosters between 8 players. Yeah, and a Swiss queue also adds up to 12. So the reason you don't pay 4-3-2-2s is there's less prizes being handed out. Now, a lot of people fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm all right, you know, I can generally win my first game, the second game's maybe a bit iffy, and at least if I win my first game, I'll get some prizes. Uh, there is some merit to that thought. However, right, so if I play 100 games in an 8-4, on average, I should be getting 1.5 packs per time I go into a queue. Okay. If I do 100 Swiss queues, on average, I will get 1.5 packs per Swiss queue. If I do a 4-3-2-2, I will get less than 1.5 boosters per time I do the queue. So over time, if you play drafts often enough, you're going to just be losing pure boosters in 4-3-2-2s. You're just losing out. Yep. And that's why you should never play them. Right, if you win more than 50% of your matches... An 8-4 will give you the biggest return over any period of time. If you win less than 50% of your matches, a Swiss draft will win you the most boosters over a given period of time. Even at 50%, that's where the 8-4 and the Swiss draft intersect, and it doesn't actually matter if you're winning exactly 50% of your matches. doesn't matter, 8-4 Swiss, they're all fine. But at no point does a 4-3-2-2 ever go above these two lines, like both of these lines, ever, ever. I, I have found a graph which shows 8-4 Swisses, 4-3-2-2s based on probability of winning. There is no time 4-3-2-2 is good. I'll p- post the link up on the show notes so you can see the evidence. Never play a 4-3-2-2. Ever. You're just losing money. You're just throwing it away. Um, and as a random aside, um, for 8-4s, um, you need to be able to go around 67% win percentage. That's like two-thirds of your games to actually go infinite on Magic Online. Now, you might want to explain what going infinite means, Craig. Yeah, so in theory, if you are winning enough, uh, at the percentage Daniel just said, then you're going to get enough prizes out of your drafts that you can just sell those boosters, get enough tickets to go into another draft. And then again, when you do amazing at that draft, you can then sell the winnings from that draft to get into another draft. 
And this continues keeping going on and going on, and you can just play an infinite amount of drafts, because you're winning enough, and that's going infinite. Now, the chances of going infinite are basically nigh impossible. You can do it for a period of time, but you have to be, like, amazing. Like, just sublime. You need to be, like, John Finkel level of good for <laughs> a excessively long period of time to go infinite for anything, like... Wait, we're talking about Magic Online here. We, it has to be Reduke, not John Finkel. Sorry, sorry, yes. If you're... Ni- is your name Reduke? If not, <laughs> you cannot go infinite. You can just lose value over time. I mean, there, I think there's a saying about, you know, it's not it's not about going infinite. It's about just losing money slower than other people, effectively. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So you'll hear people saying about going infinite. It's exceptionally hard to do. People can do it for short periods of time, yeah. but no is one, it- no one is like just like, laughing and just gaining more and more boosters and, like, are the king of Magic Online or the queen of Magic Online. That's not happening. It's not a thing. It's extremely difficult to do in draft, anyway. Um, there's there's some people who do quite well at it and could probably, like, you know, kind of keep it up for a while before having to restock. But if you look at some of the other formats, it's a little bit more possible to do it because the prizes are generally a little bit better, especially in daily events, um, because the... On average, in a daily event, you only lose a fraction of a ticket. So if you're actually, if you've got a much higher than 50% win percentage, even if it's only around 55 to 60%, you've got a decent chance of going infinite on those events. But I mean, that means you have to put yourself in as many of these daily events as possible, which means in order to get a lot of them, you'd have to be playing pretty much every constructed format going. Right. Uh, we should probably talk about daily events. Um, yes. Unsurprisingly, daily events are generally daily. There tends to be a daily event for every single format each day. The times do change, so you may find like the standard daily events on a four one day, and then it's on at noon another day, and then it's on at like eight p.m. or something like that. But well, for standard, you'll have a few. There's, yeah. there's usually a few standard dailies. Um. Yeah, like, obviously more popular formats have more representation. There are some oddball formats, or comparatively oddball formats, which get daily events, like Popper, for example. Now, daily events are bigger events than the other events you join. You know, they have, like, from 32 players up, there's more rounds. The prizes are better, but they are also a lot more top-heavy, so if you drop out at an earlier stage, you may just not get anything. Yep. But um, they give much better prize payouts, so if you are good, then that, as you say, it's a better way of going infinite if you can do the constructed ones, but going infinite is a dream. But it's it's more competitive because there's a lot more people and it's you need a lot more time to actually play because, you know, you're going up to maybe six, seven rounds. Um, yeah, and some, some events can last for a long time. I mean, if you look at, for example, the sort of thing that we'd be looking at is draft events. Um, the, the daily draft events tend to be... 64 player drafts and the way that works is you'll have one draft um where the winner of that draft will go into another draft so you're then looking at two drafts for the whole event which is probably going to take you around six to seven hours yeah it's, it's, so it's like it, day it can two take a while it's day two in a gp yeah pretty much yeah. Oh, that's that's probably the best way to describe it <laughs> Yeah. Um, so if, you, if you've never made day two of a GP and want to experience it, try a 64 player draft on Magic Online. <laughs> but, but remember to absolutely knock yourself the day before, because otherwise you're not oh, yeah. getting the full GP experience. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> okay. Now, there's also, uh, so, oh, actually, one last thing. Daily events are, they're listed sort of at the top when you go look at the play schedule. 
when you sign up to those, you just join. They fire at a specific time. It's not a matter of like, hey, we're running the standard daily event. Once we get enough play people, we'll just fire. No, no. Even if they fill up, they'll wait until the set time before they go off. Yeah. Unlike the draft. to that is if they don't quite have enough players, um, they'll keep the queue open for a little while. Right. And if it does at any point reach the minimum threshold, it will then fire. Yeah. But that's only with some of the formats which are less popular. Um, now, there's also other events called premier events. They do tend to cost a little bit more. They tend to have a lot more people. So, um, for example, I'm looking at a standard event right now. Ten tickets to enter, up to 256 players. Um, mm. The amount of rounds goes from anywhere between six to nine, depending on the attendance, and then there's a top eight cut. And, of course, the prizes are a lot better in this. They're even more top-heavy and... That's because it goes on for longer, it's more serious again, you know, it's, yeah. this is like day one of a GP, effectively. But it's kind of like a PTQ as well. Actually, really. that's probably a better analogy, yeah. And I mean, they also have PTQs online which have the exact same format. Yeah. So. Um, it takes a while. <laughs> right, so, well, we've talked, you just t- talked about PTQs, so obviously some Magic Online events do feed into the real world of Magic, you know, you can qualify for the Pro Tour, in fact, they recently did a GP Portland trial, so you could actually get your yeah. two buys for GP Portland. That was a recent thing they've done. That They've only done it once. They may bring it back. I'm not sure how popular it was, so that's probably the judgment call they're needing to make, but there are yes. big issues. See, it's a little bit different in that if it's just a GP, then an online trial is probably only going to be relevant if you're actually quite close to that GP anyway, yeah. and we're planning on going to it. Yeah. Whereas a PTQ... You're probably going to enter every PTQ you can, whether you're where, no matter where the actual Pro Tour ends up being. This so is true. It is a bit different. Despite the fact there's obviously the quote unquote real world of paper magic, there is a premier um, championship on Magic Online exclusively online. So there's something called the Mox. That's um, the Magic Online Championship Series, and this is the flagship event for Magic Online. So if you are an exclusively Magic Online player, like Reed Duke was, this is the format for you. Now, the Mox happens every year. Um, I believe it was earlier this year at PAX, if I remember correctly. I want to say that was maybe in May, but I can't quite remember. Um, Sounds about right. Now, the Mox is a very exclusive event. There's only 16 participants, a bit like the World uh, Players' Championship. Is that what it's called nowadays? Yep. Um, it has a prize pool of 100,000 USD, which will be divided amongst the 16 participants. I think you get at least four grand just for coming 16th. So there's no reason not to go if you qualify. Now to qualify, this is, this is going to be a bit long-winded and hard to explain. And I do apologize if I lose you during the way, but I'll do my best. So I say there's 16 participants. Now, one of those participants is the person who won last year. Yes. 12 of those participants get in by winning end-of-season championships. Now, to get to an end-of-season championship, you need something called QPs. Now, QPs are qualifier points, and you get qualifier points for winning events on Magic Online. So if you win a regular eight-man draft or sealed or constructed event, you'll get a QP. Hooray. If you play in daily events and premier events, then if you get near the top or at the top, you'll get quite a few more. So, for example, I think a premium event, if you go first place, gives you six QPs, I want to say. Um, not quite sure for daily events. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, I know that you get three if you win a four. If it's a four-round event, you get three for winning and one for com- for basically getting the second tier. Okay. Um, and if it's a three-round event, you get one for winning the event. Cool. So you can kind of think of QPs a bit like 
pro points that you get them for doing good at events, and the bigger the event, the easier it is to get, or the more people get, or the more you get. Anyways, um, yes, you can qualify for end of season championships by getting 35 QPs. Um, you can also get to uh, season preliminaries if you have 15 QPs. Uh, these are six round events, and if you win, uh, actually, sorry, if you get 15 points or more, and as I say, six round events, so you need to go five or one or better, then you just automatically get your 35 QPs to qualify for the end of season championship. So it's sort of like a Grand Prix Pro Tour sort of structure going on here. The preliminaries being the Grand Prix and the end of season championship being the Pro Tours. Yeah. Um, it's just like a sort of smaller, it's almost like a smaller scale in terms of like prize structure and stuff, but. It's it's obviously a bigger scale in that you've got a lot more people involved. Yeah. You, it's, end of season championships happen once a month. Now, it's not quite every calendar month, but it's vaguely that. So there's 12 end of season championships, 12 people qualify for the mocks by winning the end of season championships. Which also means if you actually want to try to go for this end of season championship, or even for a season preliminary, you need to do a lot of work in a month. Yeah. You need at least 15 QPs to try the preliminary, or 35 QPs for the end of season championship in effectively a calendar month, although it doesn't quite end up, line up with like the first and the 31st of a month or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that hard a target to actually reach if you play quite a bit. Um, I've, I've been playing a little bit for release events, that tends to be when I actually end up going on Magic Online for a wee while. Um, and during the Return to Ravnica pre-release, um, or release events online, I was actually doing quite well in the sealed. So I ended up doing quite a few, and I wasn't even thinking about qualifier points. I was just doing a few because I was winning enough tickets and stuff from one to then do another one. And by the end of that time, um, from just sometimes doing events, I'd gotten up to like 12 or 13 QPs. So if I'd been looking at it and been trying, I probably could have got up to 15. So it isn't really out of reach. Okay. Getting 35 is difficult, but getting 15 is quite reasonable. Yeah, I, I think there's about six preliminary, maybe, no, maybe it's, it's somewhere between four to six preliminaries for each end of season championship. So you do have a number of sort of last chance sort of uh, attempts to try to actually get into yeah. the end of season championship. Um, and yeah, so then you can qualify for the mocks and then you can at least get four grand for your effort. And if you happen to win the mocks, then you get into the magic players championship thing, which is about to happen in Amsterdam in August. So then you're effectively one of the top 16 players in the world for that year, at least. So Yeah, which seems reasonable. So it's interesting that, you know, Magic Online can feed into Paper Magic, and then Magic Online's premier event can feed into the most premier Paper Magic event. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'd say, though, is the, the play quality on Magic Online is generally a little bit higher than it is in, in your average sort of real-life event. So qualifying on Magic Online is, is sometimes a little bit more difficult, especially in terms of the PTQs. If you play a PTQ on Magic Online, you'll find it a lot harder to qualify than if you were to just go to a local one near you. Um, that doesn't mean you can't still do both, and that's definitely what I, I plan on doing whenever there's sealed ones available online, but um, just be aware it is a little bit more difficult. I mean, I had a sealed pool for the last PTQ with two Rakdos returns and some other, in like triple Augersbury, and still didn't get into the top eight, so it's pretty difficult. <laughs> Right, uh, now that we've gone for the most extreme professional elements of Magic Online, let's go back to the most social elements. So the question of how social is Magic Online? Well, um, if you're using the old client, I don't believe this is a new client, you can go into a lobby and you can sort of chat to everybody else there. So uh, you and everybody else who wants to do a draft, you're all in the lobby and you go chat to one another. And a little bit of chat goes on and there's people called orcs 
who I'm not quite sure what ORC actually stands for, but they're wizard- online response crew, I think. Okay, so they're sort of people who are there to help out, give guidance. Uh, I think you can go to them if you've got issues. Yeah, if you've got like, issues with another player or you've got questions about the game or anything like that, you can ask them. Um, bear in mind, they aren't really judges, so you're not asking them judge questions or anything, but um, if it's functionality for the client, they'll know exactly what they're talking about. Cool. Um, now, when you're in a game, there's also a chat window. Now, most of the chat window tends to be filled up with, you played this card, this card targeted this card, you did three damage, blah blah blah. It's, it's, it's a log of everything which is happening in the game, but you can also chat to the other player. How social yeah. would you say Magic Online is, though? Uh, not particularly, unless you specifically try to make it social. I mean, you can make it social in, in terms of you can join a clan. Uh, Magic Online has clans. And when you're in a clan, you've got like a clan chat room. And that's where you can talk about stuff specific, whatever you want to really. Um, and also you can obviously try and add people on Magic Online so you're speaking to them and stuff. But in general, it is a little bit less social because if you're playing a game with someone, quite often they'll just say maybe hello and good luck if they're particularly nice and if they aren't then the most you'll get is a good game or even maybe even not that to be honest those are the two things that people will will say if they feel like saying anything um on magic online and you generally don't get a lot more than that unless you kind of specifically aim for it i mean most of the time if you kind of start up a conversation with someone they won't ignore you it does depend on like from player to player because it's, it's a bit like walking into a, a GP, really. Um, you're walking in, you've got people who are there to play Magic, and if you start a conversation with them during the match, they might or might not actually be that fussy to talk to you. So it it can be okay, but it's generally not particularly social, since most people go on it just to play some Magic. Yeah, I, I tend to find my games tend to be good, good, you know, good luck, have fun, and that's about all that's said during the 50 minute match. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's obviously exceptions in that you get some people who'll start ranting at you if they think you've gotten particularly lucky. <laughs> but that's a different thing altogether. Yeah, that's people being bitter, and of course, you are on the internet, do remember that anonymity plus the internet does tend to equal people being twats. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> You know, saying oh, that's a nice version. This is PG-13 after all. Another Magic Online specific question. Momir Basic or Momir is something which you'll see a bit round. There tend to be daily events for Momir. This is an exclusively Magic Online format. If you're familiar with the Vanguard format, which was a thing back in the day, I think it was released about 99 or something like that. These yeah, were oversized then. cards, and they represented who you were, or who your sort of commander was, but not the commander format sort of way. So, for example, you may be Sarah, and Sarah may give you, say, plus four starting life, and plus one hand size, which meant you start the game with 24 life, and eight cards in hand. Awesome, and had some effect. That's what yeah. Vanguard is. Momir Vig is a specific Vanguard card, which you can buy in the Magic Online store. There's a Momir Vig pack. I'm not entirely sure what it's called, but it should be pretty obvious. And it gives you the Momir Vig Vanguard card. Now, um, this guy has some very interesting, has a very interesting mechanic on it, let's say. For X mana and discarding a card, you will produce a token of a random creature of the, of X, CMC X. So I may pay two mana, discard a card, and I may get a bear cub. 
I could get a Synergatives. Um, I can't honestly think of other two mana creatures off the top of my head. You could get a Rothalos. That guy would be pretty strong. Rift Sweeper, um, Murmuring Phantasm. You could just get any two drop. Maybe pay two mana. Dark Confidant. Dark Confidant. Tarmogoyf. Um, yeah. So it's a pretty- Tarmogoyf would be rubbish. <laughs> it would be. So it's a pretty odd format because, um, all your deck consists of is 60 land. Because all you want to do is be, is play some land to get some mana, then discard land to play random token creatures. So it's a game of sheer randomness because you can literally get any creature of that mana cost in the entirety of magic history. And now, this tra- is why it's only on Magic Online. <laughs> yeah, because is there any way you can just randomly shuffle a deck of every single two drop which has ever existed and then pick one off the top and go, that's the one you're getting? There's no cheap way. No easy way, that's for sure. You need a complete collection of Magic. You literally yeah. need one of everything. Or quite a few iPads. <laughs> or a lot of iPads. So yeah, this is a Magic Online almost exclusive format. It's zany, but it's good fun, and it's a thing you may be interested in. Yeah, and I mean, once you've uh, got the avatar, you can then play the format as much as you want in the casual rooms for free. Yeah. And then there's also the daily events, which are six tickets each and have a prize pay of around five and a half tickets per player. So you don't lose out very much from playing it, even if you do decide to go down the, the route that costs you to begin with. Yeah. But, I mean, be aware that it's kind of a coin flip, so, you know, playing it competitively is a little bit of a loose um, idea. Yeah, also note that um casting at seven mana is called the full lottery because you can get <laughs> Phage the Untouchable. Now Phage the Untouchable has a nice little caveat that says if you cast her and it wasn't cast from your hand, you'll lose the game. Yep. Just as a hint, <laughs> Momir Vig never casts from hand. So if you do seven and you play Phage, you just lost. Congrats. So just be wary around seven. Yep, there's a few others in that there's leveler at four as well, and leveler makes you excel your entire library when it comes into play. So there's a few a few uh, cards you really don't want to hit, um, but there's also a lot of cards at each of those casting costs. It's not until you get to really high casting costs that it becomes quite specific. Like, for example, if you were to do a 15 drop, um, it's pretty much always going to be Autochton Worm or Emrakul. Um, I don't believe World Spine Worm's quite that expensive, is it? Uh, World Spine Worm's 12, perhaps. Yeah, yeah so, uh, I mean, once you get over 10, you, you're probably limiting your options to around two or three different cards for each mana cost. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't tend to get that high. No. The, the way that Moment Basic usually works is people will play a card, um, or, or first play a creature on turn two on the draw and turn three on the play. And from that, they'll both end up getting to the point where they only have one card in hand and they're making eight drops every turn. So it tends not to go above eight unless someone gets some extra way of generating mana. Yeah. But, I mean, most of the the powerful cards in Momer Basic, early game at least, are things that give you extra cards or things that give you extra mana. So kind of like most, most games of Magic, to be honest. <laughs> if you've got more resources, you generally do better. So it, it's a fun format, though, and I, I definitely recommend it as a really cheap thing to get into. And also be aware of a couple of other variations of it in that there's um there's a Dwyra uh avatar which kinda casts random instants and sorceries in a similar way. And there's also a Stone Hero Giant Avatar, which gives you a random equipment on every creature that comes into play. So there's some variant variant formats which include m- more than one of these avatars, so it's something to look into if you're if you're into some sort of random chaotic fun games. 
One final thing, which again is sort of a Magic Online exclusive, you can buy Redemption at the Magic Online store. Now, this allows you, if you have a complete set of a set, um, for example, say I had one of every card from Dragon's Maze, and for some reason I decided, nah, Magic Online stuff for me, I would like a physical copy. Then you can redeem the set, and you can get shipped out to you uh, the set from Dragon's Maze. So... Your cards get removed from Magic Online, they get printed out in real life, and they get shipped to your door. So if for, if you do get one of everything and you want it in paper instead of online, you can do that. That is a thing. A couple of caveats. Um, one, you do need them all to either be non-foil or foil. So if you want an all foil from every card in Innistrad, then you need to collect all the foil versions on Magic Online and then redeem it as a foil set. You can't mix and match. So unfortunately, if you've only got, like... A foil copy of, like, Geist of St. Draft, like, I only have a foil copy of Geist of St. Draft in real life, I would never be able to redeem that, because I need a non-foil version. Wait, wait, Craig, cards. wait, Craig, Craig, wait. What? You, you've got a foil Geist of St. Draft? I do have a foil Geist of St. Draft, yes. Remind me to speak to you about that. <laughs> okay, then. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, so you need, it either needs to be all non-foil or all foil. Um, now, there is also a cost attached. Now, if it's before Gate Crash, it's $5. If it's Gate Crash or Dragon's Maze, and presumably everything thereafter, it is $25, plus shipping. Now, if you're in the States, I think the shipping's only around $3. If you're not in the States, it's a lot more. So, um, I'm not entirely sure how much more, and obviously it does depend where you are in the world, but... Look into the full cost before you redeem. Like, don't think, ah, five bucks for all the cars and it's getting shipped to Venezuela. Awesome. Pro- it pro- probably won't cost you five dollars. Probably cost you more. So just be aware of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a cool idea, though. I mean, it, it it means you've got sort of some way to get your your money back out if you've spent quite a bit of money on Magic Online and you also play in paper. It's also probably the easiest way to get some of the files. Like, uh, for example, something like Foil Liliana the Veil. Quite possibly. Like, yeah. It's probably a lot easier to get that online uh, and then get a foil of everything else in the set than it is to actually find a real-life ver- foil version of that card. True. <laughs> and I imagine there's some other ones as well that are quite similar. Now, one thing to note about Redemption, it is only for sets, I think, which have been out in the last three to four years. So I think, at the moment, Scars of Mirrodin is the furthest back you can go. So yeah. if, for example, you try to get all the cards from... I don't know, beta or something crazy like that. Well, one, you can't actually do that. But two, yeah, that's not going to happen. So even if you say get all the Zendikar cards and you want to get like your Jace the Mind Sculptor, it's not, it's not happening. Yeah. But I mean, one of, actually, that brings up another point, just while well, I remember. Um, when you're saying that there is no alpha and there's no beta and stuff, um, when you look at some of the formats of Magic, for example, Legacy and Vintage, mostly Vintage, um, there's some cards that you kind of are iconic parts of the format which aren't on Magic Online. So, for example, in Vintage, there's no Black Lotus, there's no Mox, um, there's no Ancestral Recall, there's none, there's none of the Power Nine, basically, and there's quite a few other things missing as well. Um, what this means is that rather than having Vintage available on Magic Online, they have a format called Classic, which is pretty much Vintage without the cards that aren't available on Magic Online. So that's something to be aware of if you if you did plan on playing Vintage on there. Also, some sets are not redeemable, so don't try buying Counterpunch and then trying to redeem it for your <laughs> scavenging use. That doesn't work. 
Modern Masters is not redeemable, so don't think you can somehow get all the cards cheaply online and then redeem them. It's it, That doesn't happen. Wow. I didn't even realize that that wasn't redeemable. Yeah. So um, because there's a lot more cards available and you can never sort of lose them in your sofa or they don't get accidentally thrown out or your house <laughs> doesn't burn down, it's quite easy to get a lot of cards. And a lot of cards are cheaper online than they will be in their paper form. Like, I picked up the From the Volts to Fury for, like, a ticket? I'm pretty sure I can't buy yeah. that for a dollar in the real world. That sounds so, about right. So things are a lot cheaper, so y- there's a reason they've upped the price of redemption as basically for that point, and this also means, yeah, you can't, like, jury-rig Modern Masters and get the cheap Modern Masters cards <laughs> online to get the expensive versions offline. That won't be redeemed. Yeah. It tends to be only sets they release, which are timely. So you Although know. they're not they're not that uh, cheaper in some cases. Like, for example, Vendillion Clique um, on... Online is about 20 tickets, which is probably not that far off its real life price, which is probably around $30. So, I mean, that's, that might seem like a big difference to some people, but in terms of the normal differences of Magic Online, that's not that much. Normally, something like a $20 card will only be about $5 in Magic Online, so it's quite a big, quite a big drop half of the time. Yeah. Um, but there are some exceptions, like, uh, for example, Force of Will. Um, because Force of Will has only ever been printed in one set on Magic Online, um, I, I mean, it's the same in real life, but it was a small sort of distribution set, and a lot of people want it, um, it's actually worth more on Magic Online than it is in real life. Um, so much so that it's, I think it's the most expensive card on there. It is the Black Lotus of Magic Online. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I think that's all there is to say for the now. Yeah, I think that was most of the topics, most of the things around Magic Online covered. Yep. If anyone has any questions or that, feel free to ask, though. Absolutely. Right, so competition time. For the last three, four episodes now, can't remember, we've been running competition. Uh, very prudent for the Magic Online episode, you'll win a Dragon's Maze event sealed pack thing, whatever it's actually called. It's two boosters of each from the Return to Ravnica block. The two event tickets to enter a sealed event, or you can break that up enter a draft for free, still have the three boosters left over, you just need the two more event tickets to get into your second draft. Every okay. week we've asked a question, um, the answer is always a very specific magic card, if you email that us, uh, email, if you email that, the name of that card into draft at gmail.com, alongside your magic online username, and for t- t- this week, question five at the top, in the subject, then, if you're correct, you'll get entered to prize draw, and I will be doing a prize draw on... Let's set a deadline for once. I will do the prize draw Sunday the 7th of July 2013 at 12 noon in the UK. That's 1pm in Western Europe, 7am on the East Coast of the United States, and 4am on the West Coast. Yep. <laughs> Sunday, 7th July 2013 at noon in the UK. And I'll cut it off there, and then I'll grab a random winner, and hopefully I should be able to announce that next episode. However, cool. what is the question for this week, Dan? Okay, um, this question is kind of like a name that card. So, um, I have a card in front of me, and I'm going to tell you some of the details of it. And then that's it. when you when you know the name of the card, that's what you send in. So, it has a casting cost of four. Converted mana cost of four. It is red. It is also blue. It's from the Dragon's Maze expansion of Magic. It is a planeswalker. 
Its subtype is RAL. It has four loyalty. It has three loyalty abilities. The first of which is plus one to tap target permanent, then untap another target permanent. The second of which is minus two. RAL Zarek deals three damage to target creature or player. And the final ability, minus seven, is to flip five coins and take an extra turn after this one for each coin that comes up heads. So, oh, and also, the artist is Eric Deschamps. I believe that might be quite important in working out what this card is. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got it now. Eric, I know, I know which planeswalker Eric Deschamps did. Yeah. yeah. So, if you've worked out which card this is, then send us an email, like Craig said, with question four in the subject line, and then Ral Zarek in the content, content of the email, and we'll give you an entrance prize draw. Oh, re- remember your Magic Online username, that helps. Well. Yes, that too. Yeah, but, um, but don't yeah. forget to put Ralph Zarek in there. Yeah, so if you know the name of the card, your Magic Online username, send that in, you'll get, if you're correct, only, yeah, if, you're only correct. if you're correct. Only if you enter Ralph Zarek will you actually get an entry for question five. And, uh, yeah, I will hopefully announce the winners next episode. Yeah. I, mm. I, I hope that one wasn't too hard. I, I think it might have been. Hmm. Mm. Ralph Zarek. Yeah, okay. Um, right, I think we're done. So, uh, we're on Tumblr at delvingtodraft.tumblr.com. We're also on Facebook as Delving to Draft. Our email address, which is where you send your competition entries into, is delvingtodraft at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as Ravik underscore. Steve's on Twitter as Toad Jam Horse. Dan, you're on Twitter as Darkhan the Mad. Yep. Uh, your host for this week with me, Craig, and you, Dan. That's me. The intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is a cannery, and it is royalty-free music license on the Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0. Mm-hmm.